1: Well, the Ohio State Buckeyes had their most impressive win of the season on Saturday, a 56-7 smashing of Michigan State. The Buckeyes, of course, put up almost 50 points in the first half as they played easily their best football of the year against their best quality opponent of the season. What did we learn from this game that included a couple of program records being broken And what did we learn about the Buckeyes as they prepare for the stretch run and the most fun part of the season with the rivalry game coming and championship season around the corner? Ohio State 56, Michigan State 7. It's what we learned on Buckeye Breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is E.J. Liddell going to crack the first team on Big Ten. I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Happy Monday morning. It's a Victory Monday. It is Rivalry Week. This is easily the most fun week of the year for Ohio State football. And the Buckeyes come in on a fantastic note after destroying Michigan State this past weekend, 56-7. to Alongside our coach, Tommy Zagorski, I'm Brendan Gulick. Sorry, folks, we're a day late in doing this, but wanted to make sure we still get uh, our What We Learned content out to you Um this was as fun as you could probably ever have watching Ohio State football. And, Coach, while I give you a chance to share your opening thoughts on that uh, uh, annihilation of Michigan State, I'm actually going to share uh, share my screen here. So if you're watching at home uh, as opposed to listening after the fact, know that you can you can interact with us live. You can watch this podcast live on our YouTube channel. I'm going to pull up the first half stats uh, and and share those because I think this is – Absolutely ridiculous. Um, C.J. Stroud, 393 passing yards on 29 of 31 and six touchdowns in the first half. Uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson had first halves that you'd say, hey, that's a good game. Uh, Same thing for Jackson Smith and Jigba. The Buckeyes were unbelievable on both sides of the football. 500 yards of total offense before halftime. Uh, Ohio State had one negative play the entire first half. I mean, Z, every single thing they did worked.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Buckeyes were on fire in all three facets of the game. Ryan Day has to walk away from this game really excited about the growth and development of his football team. Watching these young men on Saturday was not only a joy, but it was more so a testament of all the work that they've done Being a team that was counted out after losing to an Oregon team who was playing very good football when they came into Columbus. And then being able to run the football effectively, throw the football effectively, tackle the football effectively, and not really just post this this first half shutout that was so much fun to watch. The defensive effort. um, I know, Brendan, you and I have talked about it a lot. The development of two guys that you really saw flash. On Saturday, T.J. Stroud just gets better and better every week. That's why he's the Heisman hopeful and the Heisman favorite right now. In addition to that, also, you look at a guy like Tommy Eichenberg, who really just kind of a lot of pundits didn't like, a lot of pundits weren't talking about. Tommy Eichenberg has just continuously become a better football player, even to the point where I'm watching the game and I'm third down. It's third and eight, third and nine. I look and I go, Oh, Eichenberg's going to come off the field. They're leaving him on the field now. That shows you the trust they have in the young player from Cleveland, Ohio, and what he's been able to do for that defense. It's really fun to watch, and I know you and I have talked about it a bunch off the air. When a healthy Haskell Garrett is in the middle of the defense for the Buckeyes, this defense is different. And I know Haskell is dealing with some some battling with some injuries coming up, and you know Purdue we didn't play till really the fourth quarter. But to watch him really just be a stalwart in the middle. He usually makes one or two big plays a game that you see in the stat column. But the thing that really is great about him, he eats up double teams. He penetrates back. He pushes people back. He uses his hands well. When he's doing that, the defense is playing well. And when the defense is playing well for the Buckeyes, we know that this video game offense can do almost anything they want against literally practically everybody in the country. It's a really nice formula for the Buckeyes. The one negative probably looking away. Um, is the missed field goal. And unfortunately for Noah Ruggles, who we've ta- who we've celebrated all year, you would have loved to have seen him make that and continue to have the greatest kicking season in the history of college football. But a fun day in, in Columbus and really a great way to set the tone uh, for what's looming at noon um, up north. All right, uh, this might be a, an interesting place to
1: start, but I think it's worth asking because especially now the last few weeks, I realize it was not an offensive exhibition against Penn State and against Nebraska, but the Buckeyes still certainly executed in spots when they needed it. Uh, and and if you if you take those two weeks where they weren't great out of the red zone out of the equation for a moment, you know you're talking about basically two months worth of eye popping, unbelievable offensive football. So the expectation that the Buckeyes can do regularly what they did this past weekend. I think that expectation is fairly real, so I know this might not be a super popular uh, topic to start with, but I think it's important to wonder: Is Michigan State overrated? Are they are they truly a top seven team or top ten team in the country? Because if they if they really are, look out, because Ohio State flat out embarrassed them. I know there were some interesting you know stat things that probably went in Ohio State's favor pregame obviously the buckeyes have the best passing offense in the country michigan state had the worst passing defense in the country it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out hey the buckeyes are going to throw the football on these guys um <laughs> but like I, if you're st- if you're the worst pass defense in the country but you're still ranked 7th nationally you got to be doing some other things that you know make people believe in you. So what do you think with what you've seen for Michigan State? Is that team truly as good as their ranking was?
0: I think it really shows what everybody talked about going into this game, that without Kenneth Walker, if if Michigan State does not have Kenneth Walker, they are a very average football team. It's amazing how prolific a team can be when they have an elite player at a position like quarterback or running back or a a linebacker, whatever it may be, one of those impact guys. And that's what you saw on Saturday. You saw the Buckeyes shut down Kenneth Walker. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if there was something wrong with him. But for him to only get seven or eight carries, the Buckeyes had him bottled up. And there was never that moment where you go, oh, here's Kenneth Walker's Heisman moment where he's going to take off and go. When Kenneth Walker was shut down, Michigan State was shut down. As you watch Michigan State throughout the season, they played a lot of teams close. They won games because why? Melvin or, uh, Mel Tucker does a phenomenal job of teaching toughness. He's bred in the Saban system. He knows how to do the offseason. He knows how to get mentally into these kids' heads. And he's got a little bit of, um. you know, he's a tough guy. He's from Cleveland, Ohio. You know, he's lived in Michigan. He's a Midwest guy. He gets it. He's a tough guy, and his teams reflect that traditionally. But the difference is when you walk into a gunfight, with a solo plastic knife, you only can be so tough. And I think that's what you saw on Saturday. You saw a group of guys that play for Michigan state who are really good football players. They're just not great football players. There's a reason why Michigan state started more players from the state of Ohio than Ohio state did on Saturday. Yeah. Why? Those are guys Ohio state looked at and went, okay, we'll beat you. And I think what you're seeing right now, is not to knock them as a seventh-ranked team in the country. I think they're. This morning we wake up. I think they're in the 12th or 13th, depending on what poll you're looking at. What you see with Michigan State is not really a detriment to who they are, but really a celebration of who Ohio State is. We've all season said this Georgia team is on this pedestal. Alabama was on that pedestal with them. They fell off a little bit when we looked at you know the different when we when they lose at Texas A&M. We go, hey, maybe they're human." Okay. So now, if these teams are so elite and so far removed from everybody else, what's the next step? And I think that's where you see the Georgias, the Ohio States. And I, I still keep Alabama in that class, even though they, they played tough with Arkansas you know, on Saturday night in Alabama. I mean, Arkansas threw everything at them. They had the, the fake punt and all those other good things. But I think what you're seeing with this Ohio State team is they are executing on a high level. the beginning of the season, even present company included, I said, wow, this team's going to be really good next year. And because of the coaching staff, because of these players' grit and their want to, they are becoming that next year team just in enough time where you can still celebrate a Chris Olave, a Garrett Wilson, a Haskell Garrett. You know, and, you know all the different players that you can think of right now that are going to probably be leaving at the end of this season, and there's still going to be a good enough core nucleus that coming back next season, no matter what how the season ends. You're looking at the preseason 2022 number one team in the country right now. You have to. Yeah. Have I mean, there's just, I know, I mean, all right, the graduation of uh, Petit Ferret and, and Thayer Bunford, like they're going to be able to plug and chug on the old, they're going to be able to work young guys in on the offensive line. CJ Stroud will be back. I mean, I, and I know I'm, I'm trying to uh, jump around, but what I think you're really seeing is not Michigan State being a bad football team. It's just Ohio State is that rare, that elite, that much better than everybody else because. When you walk onto the field and those coaches look across the field when they're warming up, you do take that peek and you look and you go, whoa, who's got it? And I hate to use the term of the guy we're going to play this week, but who's got it better than us? I mean, like at every single position. Yeah. I mean, there is not a kid. There's not a player. When you're going into that game, you're Michigan State. You go in this game, you're like, who, who wouldn't we take? Offensive line, you take all five. Yeah. Tight end, you're taking Jeremy Record over, over over Hayward. A thousand times. Okay, keep going. Like, I mean, wide receiver. I mean, don't even get me started. You know, really, the only argument you would have is at running back, potentially. You know, maybe at running back, maybe Xavier Henderson, This is the the nickel safety, and Ronnie Hickman, like, at the beginning of the season. Ronnie Hickman's developed so much. Like, who do you not want? And that's yeah. where the question comes in. Like, Ohio State's not going to play anybody that has better talented players until they get to this college football playoff. And that's either an Alabama or a Georgia. That's it. There's no other roster in college football that is more talented than Ohio State's, than potentially those. And that's only on the defensive side of the football. Offensively speaking, the Buckeyes are better than Georgia.
1: I mean, they're historically good. I mean, they're, they're, they're one of the greatest offenses.
0: That's yeah, that you've ever seen. And and granted, the game today is played with the mindset that, and see, we're going to argue, well, you're going to see the best historical offense every week because the game's evolved and defense doesn't evolve with it. And the game's geared towards offense. Say what you want. This offense is fun. It's exciting to watch. I don't know if there's anybody that sits at home and goes, got to watch him hit another big touchdown pass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, legitimately, this is a great team to watch. They're yeah. fun to watch and they're enjoying it. And it's fun to see them reap the benefits of it.
1: Uh, I agree that Michigan state uh, is probably a top 15 team. If you look at the full body of work, I wasn't bothered by their, their, I think they were 12th in the AP poll. Um, You know, I, to, to build off your Kenneth Walker thing, and then we're going to talk Buckeyes more specifically here, but um, I, I thought Kenneth Walker didn't get the number of touches that he probably needed to get in the game for Michigan state to be competitive because they fell behind so early. I think they just kind of felt like if we run the football or try to run the football, we're never going to catch up. Um, And Ohio state has been far more vulnerable defending the pass than defending the run. And I, I, I don't think they love their offensive line. I think Ohio state, even though they didn't come away with a boatload of sacks this weekend, I think Peyton Thorne, who, by the way, played a really tough game he made some good throws in the first half when uh when things were not great for Michigan State uh, especially on that second drive he he was playing hard um Ohio State's defensive line just destroyed Michigan State's offensive front so I I just felt like they had they had to go away from Walker running the football and you know that's exactly what Ohio State wanted they basically said we're going to make somebody other than Kenneth Walker beat us um and nobody, nobody was capable of that. Let's talk about the defense for the Buckeyes because I think, for me, this is the reason, Z, why I think Ohio State's national championship aspirations are suddenly very real. You know, this team offensively in week two against Oregon lost when they had 600 yards of offense, okay? They didn't convert a couple of fourth downs, it was not a problem of moving to football, even with a quarterback who was making his second career start and a, and a true freshman running back. Um, the offense has continued to evolve and, and look video game good, but the defense is so different right now than it was in the first couple of weeks of the season. And I know we've talked about this a few times in, in recent weeks, but you've got a different scheme with a too high safety look. You've got guys that are way more experienced, certainly, like Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, but how about the whole linebacker room in general? Um, and you've got a, a, a defensive backs that have seen way more snaps now. Um, you've obviously got a different play caller, even if it's the same coaching staff. It, it, you wouldn't even recognize what you saw in week two versus what you saw in week 11. For me, the reason why Ohio State could win a national championship this year is because of what we've seen on that side of the ball. I don't know if I fully fledged, really deep in my heart, believe that until after seeing Ohio State eviscerate the Spartans this past weekend. But now I I mean I said it in our in our instant analysis post-game show. I am not banging my, you know, hammer on the bully pulpit that the Buckeyes are going to beat Georgia. I am not even remotely scared of Georgia anymore. I think this is a team that absolutely First of all, I think they're going to blow out Michigan this week. Um, I don't think the Big Ten title game is going to be that competitive. And I don't really care who the Buckeyes draw in the college football playoff. They got a real shot to win this thing.
0: I mean, they're playing at a very high level. And, Brennan, you started with the linebacker room. We talked about it in the opener. You know, where was that room, you know, two, three, two months ago? You were, you had a room around Washington's trying to figure out, like, how do I keep Dallas Gant happy? How do I keep Kayvon Pope happy? Yeah. How do I develop steel chambers? How do I do it? There was a lot going on in that room. And we talked about it on this, we talked about it on our show. We said, sometimes, you know, you gain a lot through attrition. And when Kayvon Pope left and Dallas Gant left, you looked around and you said, the Buckeyes only have like four scholarship linebackers or five scholarship linebackers on the depth chart. You're looking at who's going to be that guy that steps up. The two guys that have stepped up week in and week out are Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. They both have played so much better. And here's when you know those guys have gotten that much better. Michigan State on Saturday tried to go back to the Oregon game plan a little bit. Even though the Buckeyes are playing with a different safety you know, rotation and, and the way they're filling runs, they tried to get back into the pin and pull into the boundary that we talked about at the beginning of the year, the one by three. Michigan State tried to run it three times. All three times, Michigan State had it blocked up, except for one guy. Steel Chambers twice came over, or Steel Chambers came through once and made a play. Tommy Eckenberg twice came through and made a play. So now you look back at it and you say, wait a second. That's the difference. That's what the Buckeyes were missing in the Oregon game. Right now, if, or- if the Buckeyes do that, now we're talking 1-2. You and I this morning are arguing, well, maybe we're the number one team in the country. You know, the way that the Buckeyes beat up on Michigan State is far better than the way Georgia beat up on Charleston Southern. And that's the conversation you're having right now. But because of that one play or that one game on a Saturday, you know, which is great in college football, that's what I love about it, the parody. And the, the other thing that's great about this playoff, um, and especially when it expands, is going to get really cool, is now we're talking about a team that maybe, I know you and I woke up that Sunday doing, that, doing, the, doing the show and looking and going, ugh. This could be a long season for the Buckeyes. And really, it, it wasn't as long of a season because why? Because these guys woke up and decided to be the team that they're going to be. And I think when they do that and they play that way, you know, you said you're not afraid of Georgia. This team's not afraid of anybody. I mean, this team this team could host anybody in the country right now, and they'd be excited. I um, I know they're going to have a big game this weekend. I know they're going to be up for it. I'm excited about it. Um, it's kind of like today's Monday, but I'm like, hey, Saturday at noon, like, where are you? Like, you know, like, I, I mean, like, I'm not even like, you know, a person <laughs> of my stature, you would think like pretty excited about what's going to happen Thursday. You know, smoking <laughs> the turkey on the Traeger and the side, you know, maybe I'm, not even, I'm not even, like looking forward to that right now. Like what I'm looking forward to is Saturday noon, you know, in, you know, in, in Little Sister Ann Arbor and like getting an opportunity to really watch what is going to be in in my lifetime probably the second best Ohio State Michigan game and I say that because I remember you know, you know about probably 15 20 years ago they were one two you sure. know now we're gonna see really you know and I think the college football playoff when it comes out tomorrow we're gonna to see both of them in the top in the top four I think you're gonna see this they're gonna jump Cincinnati I think they're gonna put Michigan at four and I think the reason they're gonna do that it's because now, when you have this television, college game day is going to be there. This is going to be the the noon game. You now put Ohio State three, Michigan four, because why? You know that it's going to play itself out in the grandiose scheme of it. If Ohio State were to lose them this weekend, they're not in the college football playoff. Like it's they're a two loss team. They're not going to get in. Right. If Michigan loses to them, same deal. Two loss, they're out. Cincinnati's there. It just gives you something to talk about for the college football playoff. I think that's where the human element of the college football playoff comes in. Now, I could be wrong, and people could make fun of me and say, there's no way on God's green earth they do this. I mean, Cincinnati beat up on a bunch of mid-major teams for the last, you know. Cincinnati's
1: and, strength of schedule stinks. I, I would right, argue but-
0: I would argue that if Michigan is five
1: instead of four, that, you know, your, your um, situation there still holds true. Michigan beats Ohio State, they're going to get in. Correct. Uh, as long as they win the Big Ten title. Mm-hmm. If Ohio State beats Michigan and wins the Big Ten title, they're going to get in. And I, I don't think it matters so much about the ranking this week. I think what's interesting, though, is if they move Michigan ahead of Cincinnati, then they're saying a Michigan team that lost to Michigan State, who is not as good as everybody said they were, now that they've lost twice, that that team is better. That A two-loss Michigan State, I, I want to see where they slide in. Mm-hmm. Um, and And just th-
0: the idea that Michigan could jump Cincinnati, I think, is very interesting to me. I for television broadcast like ratings. Why would you not do it? Sure, you're protected. You're yeah. protected because why? And now it gives you because there's still people holding on to that four. There's still people holding on like this four is great to see. Now you see that parody. You know, in other year's you've we've watched this and it's just the four teams. Yeah, the four teams like Oregon's out. Okay, great. So they drop out. The Pac-12 goes back to After Dark that none of us care about. Then. Now you're sorry. Now <laughs> you, you it's true. true. I mean, like, <laughs> who's tuning in? I mean, besides me, who's tuning in at eleven o'clock to watch? Yeah. You know, Utah take on you know Stanford or whatever whoever's playing. Right. Anyways, yeah. Um, all that being said, it's important to watch like what they're going to do because they want to have something to talk about. They want something to fuel college football. I think they disrespect Cincinnati again. Now you're looking. You have two. Basically, it extends the playoffs. You have two of these playoff teams playing each other that early. I think it would be kind of a neat way uh, for them to kind of get the, the jabber and, and get things going. But yeah, that'd be tough that being said, it's it's tough to see what, what they'll end up doing. In my opinion, I mean, right now, like if Cincinnati played Michigan this weekend and I'm not a gambling man, like who am I taking? I'm probably taking Michigan. And I know that's not a popular take. I know that's not a, well, Cincinnati's doing this. And yes, I understand that. But also Cincinnati's gotten through by beating up, on the american conference they're not beating up on big 10 teams and you could argue what you want if they're playing in the big 10 week in and week out they played one big 10 team and they had to come from behind and really capitalize on mistakes that a team that nobody really has had to sweat in the big 10 this year and i know that was earlier in the season and it's a tough measuring stick but that's that's where they're at i mean that's who they are i I think you know luke is all aware he's built a great team there but i don't know if they are better than michigan and that's where, um, as you're going forward and seeing what the next step is for this college football playoff, that's what I would do this weekend. Um, I, I do like to see, you know, my opinion. Do I want to see Cincinnati? 150%. I would love to see the college football playoff be four teams from the state of Ohio if possible. I know physically <laughs> yeah. it's not going to happen. You know, let's <laughs> say let's say Miami of Ohio wins the MAC and somehow they work their way into it. So you got the, the Red Hawks, you got, you know, these different teams. I would love to see that. I would love to see it. But realistically – I'm well aware of who it is. But yeah, uh, going forward, I, I, I
1: think, think. Uh, I think Cincinnati's win against Notre Dame continues to look better and better. Oh, given the fact that Notre Dame suddenly is kind of right in the thick of things. Um, I don't I don't think they're going to get in. They need some serious chaos to get in but I I don't know if it's impossible. It's just a really small percentage chance that Notre Dame would get back in the playoff. We could talk more college football playoff tomorrow when the rankings come out. I want to focus here on, on what Ohio state did on Saturday. Um, Let's talk about CJ Stroud for a second. CJ Stroud had 17 consecutive completed passes and, and you know, some of them were harder, longer, tighter throws, but, A good chunk of them were just like, oh, okay, I've got great protection. I'm going to throw there. And a little quick pass 15 yards that way on that little hitch, no problem. Um, You know, the offensive line was unbelievable. He was under such little stress. I wonder if he even broke a sweat, and I'm only like half kidding (laughs) on Saturday. Um, To to break an all-time program, single game, you know, individual record, 17 consecutive completed passes. JT Barrett had 16 straight against Penn State back in 2017. And then last year, between the first and second games of the year, Justin Fields had 16 straight completions against Nebraska and Penn State. Um, You know, CJ threw two incompletions and six touchdowns and almost 400 yards in a half of football. (laughs) Uh, it, it It was silly. Now, Bryce Young threw for almost 600 yards in the second most prolific passing performance in the history of SEC football on Saturday night. So I'm not sure I'm ready to say, stamp it, C.J. Stroud's the Heisman Trophy winner, but I am very confident in saying that on Saturday that he solidified an invitation in New York because there's no way you're having that that ceremony without including him. What was your impression of C.J. Stroud this weekend, and do you think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy?
0: The impression was we are watching the maturation of the best quarterback potentially Ohio State's ever had. And I say this because of the development he has taken into place. And I know every week I talk about, I have gushed over C.J. Stroud, I think, the entire season. And I know, Brandon, you laugh at me. I've always kind of like taken his back. I, I think that even at the beginning, like Minnesota, I'm like, this kid's going to be really good. Like he's just, and, and where it all comes back to is you watch his eyes. You watch his eyes. And he mentioned it in the postgame. He talked about it. He told his guys, hey, you beat the man, I'll take care of the holes. And what he's alluding to is, as a great quarterback, man coverage you're not going to beat with a throw. But you can beat zone coverage with your eyes. And he looks stuff off. And I know I know, they went on the teleprompter, the herbistrator, whatever they call it on ABC <laughs> on Saturday. But when you go back and watch the film, you're watching him pick apart defenses with his eyes. And that's before he even tries to throw the football. And these are things he was doing when he had the shoulder problem. These are things he was doing where that he was looking at things. And these aren't RPOs. Like, just to take a step back, he's playing at an NFL level right now. I mean, I literally sat there and watched the Cleveland Browns yesterday play the Detroit Lions. And this is not off-topic. This is going to pull back to CG Stride. I promise you I'm not going off one of my tangents. And this is a crazy thing to say. Would he be able to better execute the Cleveland Browns offense with Baker Mayfield? And I know he's not. I'm not saying that right now, but the way that their offense is set up with the multiple tight ends, the hard play actions, the throws they're asking him to throw—like these are things that he does right now at the Ohio at Ohio State. And when he's doing that, he's not just sitting there throwing RPOs. That's one of the things. And a lot of us probably that watched the Ohio State game at noon got an opportunity to probably watch Alabama Arkansas. Sure, if you watched Alabama Arkansas. The difference between these two quarterbacks. Is right now, Alabama's living on an RPO game. And this is what they did last year. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not a detriment. But he's not setting up into play action and hitting deep balls. He's throwing little slants here and there. He's not building off of this. And yes, Ohio State does use the RPO game when they get into different sets and, and different things that they're gonna use, but it's more based off their rub routes that they're gonna use inside and get those two-man stacks and they're getting those little you know, tight down where they adjust their alignment, adjust their bunches. It's where Ohio State has really evolved in this passing game. And it's every single week. They're going to run a lot of the similar concepts, but they do a great job of window dressing it. And that's what Ryan Day and his staff are doing right now. They're at the facility. How do we window dress this? How do we window dress this to be able to beat Michigan? And when you watch them do this, they're doing it on a quarterback who they have unlimited faith in. There's not a great time where you see CJ coming off the field. I mean, literally, I mean, Herb Street, I alluded to him earlier. He laughs in the telecast. Where after he throws an incomplete pass after 17 complete passes, he goes, You know, Iowa State, they better figure this thing out. This is disgusting. You know, jokingly about it on national TV. And you see Olave, it's Olave and Wilson are laughing at each other because they got on the same right. side. They ran the wrong route. Yeah. And what happens? What do you see? And I know, Brandon, you saw it because you were at the game and TV's not going to talk about this. <clears throat> Stroud runs over to those two. And what does he do? He grabs them. Hey, we got to figure this thing out. You've got a commander on the field who is living and preaching the message that Ryan Day wants for this entire program, not just his offense. And he's quietly becoming this incredible, dynamic leader that is doing things with his actions. And a lot of times, you don't see that in this world today. It's A lot of it is talked about who talks the most. It's his actions. And I know some of the greatest leaders I've ever been around in my life, it's the way that they proceed every single day. And Stroud is doing this. Yes, he he stamped his ticket to go to, to New York City. Is he the Heisman yet? I I, I don't know. I, I think that's I think one of the things that we see with this Heisman r- race this year, it's not your traditional Heisman race. There's always one guy where you just go, all right, it's him, or, it's him, or it's him, or it's him. Is he in the three? If he's not in the three, then I'd love to see the film of the guys that are. Sure. And I think the other the other award that he's going to be, and I know he was the Walter Payton or uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the Walter Camp uh, player of the player of the week. That's another one. Uh, another award that you could see him easily being the the selection for um, as well. What's going to happen is how Alabama finishes out the season, how they look in Atlanta, you know, going forward. And I think if CJ plays another great game against Michigan where he just dominates like he did against Michigan State, I think he better start working on that speech. And I know everyone's laughing about this and they said no, it I, the game. I... Like he's not the best player on his offense. (laughs) He's He's not considered the best player in college football, but it's a compliment to taking advantage of the situation you're in and maximizing it. It comes back to, I haven't heard CJ Stroud on the radio. I don't see him promoting, you know, some shaving cream or, you know, whatever it is, or CJ's fries at this place or whatever it may be. He's focused in on being the best Ohio state quarterback he possibly can be. And it's just so much fun to watch. And in Ohio State in a world where a lot of the outside noise is what people live on, they've got a, they've got the right guy under center who's making the right decisions. And I really hope that he's the person that I think he is off the field as well, because it's been so much fun to watch this guy really develop and and really be the the one that hits the gas pedal for this offense.
1: I I think his Heisman candidacy, um, candidacy is not the right word. He's obviously a candidate. He's going to New York. Mm-hmm. I think his Heisman Trophy uh award hopes are very real because that award so often goes to the best offensive player on the best offensive team in the country. It's not a guarantee, but a lot of times, you know, you think, okay, who's the best team in the country? What team throws up God points and stats and who's their leader? And that's CJ Stroud. And so I I think if Ohio State does again on Saturday this week what it's done several times recently, including this past weekend, I, I I'm not sure it matters what Bryce Young would do against Georgia in a in a Big Ten title game. I mean, if he does it against Michigan State and Michigan in back to back weeks, I think then you lock it up. But in the meantime, I still think he's got to have one more, you know, elite performance to, to do that. But you made a really, really good point that I've been I've been wondering this now for a couple of weeks. Ohio State is on the verge of becoming the second team in the history of college football to have three 1,000-yard wide receivers and a 1,000-yard rusher. I think there's only been five teams that have ever had 3,000-yard receivers. And I'm, I'm 99% sure that uh, Fresno State in 2013 – is the only team that also had a 1,000 yard running back. Henderson's there, Smith and Jigba's there. Garrett Wilson, I, I, I think he's like 12 yards away or something crazy. Um, and Chris Olave is like 158 yards short. If he does against Michigan, what he's done against Michigan historically, he, that could happen this weekend. But certainly seems like it could happen within the next two weeks. So that's why I say, and and I mean, you can you can look up on our YouTube channel. We talked about this a month and a half ago, that this team was on a historic trajectory as one of the all-time great offenses in the history of college football. I give you that background because the the question I think that's interesting to to decide here is who really is the engine that, that really makes this offense go? Is it Chris Olave, who this past weekend, you could make the argument now that he's the greatest receiver in the history of Ohio State football? More touchdown catches than anybody else. Extremely reliable, and and you know the best example of a of an under recruited guy that that bursts onto the scene and becomes a star, is it Garrett Wilson who has eye popping catch after eye popping catch. His second to four touchdowns last week was otherworldly good when he caught the ball on the left side of the end zone against. I'm sorry, the right side of the end zone against Purdue. I think it's the best touchdown catch he's made in his Ohio State career. Is it Jackson Smith and Jigba who maybe nobody pays enough attention to but might be the best of the three. You know, is it the fact that they've got this incredible freshman running back in Travion Henderson? Is it CJ Stroud? Or or how much of all of these guys, you know, uh putting up great numbers is simply because they're all really good and they're all feeding off each other. Um I I just wonder if when you have everybody achieving at a high level, how you determine
0: who's the guy that's really making this thing go. Uh, It's an unpopular take here, Brendan. Are you ready for it? Hit me. You tell me like the offensive offensive line plays really well as well. I was going to say, what did you say,
1: Thayer Munford? (laughs) I don't get that.
0: The (laughs) offensive line is playing at a a very high level um, as well. The person that is responsible for the success of the Ohio State Mm -hmm. offense is the highest paid guy in the facility. Yep. It's Ryan Day. Ryan Day has helped recruit these guys. Ryan Day has put these guys in a in situations to be successful. This is why they pay so much money to college football coaches and national football league coaches. They are responsible for the output of their team. And Ryan Day right now is sitting here boat racing Michigan State Knowing that the guy across the across those fifty three yards from him get offered a contract extension before the game for ninety eight million dollars, which would pay him two point two million dollars more a year than what Ryan Day makes. I mean, you got to sell a lot of Victoria's Secret underwear and Express clothes to match that. And I think that's important for Ohio State to think it, and to keep in mind. Like Ryan Day's, I don't think on a, on a risk to leave Columbus. Uh, he understands and he appreciates the fact that he's coaching one of the best situations in all of football he also understands the you know the the perils that come with it and the stress that comes with it but ryan day is a reason this offense is playing the way it's playing it's his coaching staff that he puts together it's the way that he drives into the facility every single day and his mindset you hear ryan day say this all the time right now is the moment this is the moment this is the moment this is the moment he literally lives that with his team they look to him as not only a coach But a person that buys in and and, and does it. You talk about under-recruited. When Ryan Day became the head coach at Ohio State, there were a lot of people outside of Columbus and even in Columbus that said, who's this guy from New Hampshire that's going to be the head coach? Like, I don't know if he'd be able to tell you. I don't know if he'd be able to tell you half the high schools in the state of Ohio when he became the head coach at Ohio State. Is that a prereq to be the head coach at Ohio State? It's a great leader. It's a great tactician and a great, you know, person that brings a cohesive unit together to contribute to a goal greater than themselves. You literally watch this receiver group. Anywhere else in America, like Jamison Williams transferred out. Why? He didn't want to share the spotlight with these guys. He wasn't one of the guys. And because of that, he's having this great year at Alabama. Good for him. You'd love to see kids be successful. But he's missing. You, you watch these guys score, and, and watch when they score what happens. These other guys celebrate with each other because why that's a cultural thing they're excited you don't see players walking around with their head down they're running down the field they're excited to see each other score they're excited to be part of each other's success story they have built a culture there and it comes back to ryan day it comes back to mariotti it comes back to literally the entire offensive and defensive staff and the support staff that they have in that building everybody's pulling in the same direction and when they all pull in the same direction you see the product you're seeing right now you see players who watch different guys you even see on the sideline a lot of those guys that aren't quote-unquote coaches, look who's talked to C.J. Stroud in between series. Look who's talking. I mean, that's the other thing Ryan Day has done a great job of, is going and getting these really good minds in football that maybe aren't even on the field that are quote-unquote analysts that stand there and two sunflower seeds and bubble gum on Saturday, but kind of lean over and... And those guys are probably better than a lot of the coaches they are playing every single week. It's impressive to see them do that. I say Ryan Day because, and I I, I used that earlier, C.J. Stroud's an extension of Ryan Day on the field. He knows what Ryan Day wants. Week three, week four, did he? Absolutely not. But now when you watch him come off the field and the conversations that they're having and probably the conversations that lead up to it throughout the week, that's where they're at. And and this is where Ohio State really just takes that next step as, as a program and continues to grow, continues to develop. I mean, we talk about the National Football League. The Cleveland Browns allegedly had a, a player meeting with the coaching staff over last week saying you guys need to make better adjustments. Now think about that. Like you need to make better adjust. You need to put us in situations that we can be successful. Ohio State not only has the best players, but also they're in the best situation to go beat these guys. You anybody that's preparing for these guys and watches them on film, they just go, Wow. Wow. Like, I mean, it's it's a very it's a fun time to watch Ohio State. It's a fun time to be a part of this. And I think as you see these guys continue to grow, can you develop? Like Ryan Day, he's not Woody, he's not Urban, but he's gonna. At the, when this is all said and done, Ryan Day is gonna have this incredible legacy at Ohio State that we're gonna look back at and say, "Wow!" Like Ryan Day, wow.
1: I am so glad you brought that up because,
0: as is typically the case, oh, you Earl know, Bruce, uh, sorry. What's that? I forgot to mention Earl Bruce in that comment. I'm sorry. I,
1: people <laughs> That's okay. I um. You know, I'm I'm typically honestly one of like the ten last people out of the shoe every home game. Um, you know, a noon kick, I don't leave the stadium till like eight o'clock, right? Um with where the postgame press conference room is, where we shoot our instant analysis, do some work in there. By the time I'm I'm packing up and leaving, I, I literally walk on the field, right? I walk down the tunnel because that's where the where the locker room and press conference area is. I walk down the tunnel in a dark, empty stadium standing looking around and, and soaking in. It's one of the things I most look forward to every week, to be honest with you. It's really, really cool. And knowing that this past weekend was the last game of the season, I'm standing on the field and I'm looking toward the north end zone. And there's the the numbers for the national championship years. And I thought to myself, and actually I put this on our Instagram account. I, I said, I wonder if the next time we come into the stadium, if there's going to be you know another four digits next to that. And then as I turned around and, and started to walk toward, um, you know, like the, the stairs that I can, you know, get off the field on and, and leave the stadium, I, ca- I kind of turned around and my eyes were drawn to the Woody Hayes sign that's on the concourse level, on the banner level, uh, basically over, you know, uh, near the Southeast Tower where the Buckeyes run out, right? It says Woody Hayes and it's it's got his accomplishments up there. And, and it was like this thought jumped into my head, I wonder if Ryan Day is going to have the kind of tenure at Ohio State. And and if 30 years from now, we're going to speak about Ryan Day with the same reverence that we speak about Woody Hayes with. If you're Ryan Day, I, I mean, I genuinely don't know if there is another place in America that he could have a better situation college or the NFL. He's got it made, he's got it absolutely made, and he is an elite coach and he's proven to be a closer in recruiting he he's got it going on and I I just sit there and think to myself like man you know sometimes you don't know what you have until you don't have it anymore my god do the Buckeyes have it good right now and and there's no sign unless something totally unforeseen and totally catastrophic comes along there's no sign of this thing you know slowing down or going away and, and that doesn't mean take it for granted, but you, you just start to think, man, you know, to your point, Z, a guy from New Hampshire that didn't have Ohio ties was Urban Meyer's most, um, most lasting legacy at Ohio State, considering all he did and all he accomplished was his most lasting legacy hiring Ryan Day. I mean, I think that's something we could talk about for a long,
0: long time. Absolutely, I think Brendan. Just a quick. Here's what. Here's what keeps Ryan Day from staying at Ohio State. I show these phones because what happens is Ryan Day probably. By the way, what's that? Beautiful pictures of. Oh, thank you. I think right now Ryan Day is probably on his phone with somebody. Sure. It's exhausting. He's game planning. He has to do all this stuff, and yeah, he's got a great support staff. And like the one person I omitted is you know Kevin Wilson is his rock on offense. He can depend on him. He knows who he is. Kevin Wilson helps everybody on offense. He's having a head coach on offense. He's got a head coach on offense. He's got, you know, really, Kerry was originally supposed to be the head coach on defense, which is kind of what I think he's doing right now. Barnes is the play caller. I think Kerry's more the the head coach of the defense, kind of interact with the kids because they all love him. And when you see that, Ryan Day currently is eventually going to get burnt out having to go, hey, coach, we got this sophomore on the phone. We got this freshman on the phone. We got this kid on the phone. I mean, to a point where, and there's a there's an army of people there that are doing that for him. He eventually is going to get to a point where he goes, "You know what? I can go make more money. I actually get three to four months off of the year without recruiting." Like that's the next step. When you say like that's the only other thing, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. I hope Brian day's is head coach at offstate for a very long time because. He had so much value to Columbus. He had so much value to that university. He had so much value to college football. But I would love, you know, but I think that's the one thing that maybe he steps away from and goes, you know what? Hey, Ryan, how would you like to be the head coach of the New York Giants? How would you like to be the head coach of the Dallas Cow? Whatever it may be. I'm just using football teams as an example. But eventually, and then knowing that, like, hey, I just do this football stuff, and then I get in my car and drive home. Like, it's a pretty good gig, too. So, you know and obviously urban's not urban's making it look a little bit harder than everybody else thought it would be but i mean it's 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 a different deal
1: yeah well it's it's a fair point but uh one hopefully we don't have to consider for an awfully long time absolutely um, just goes to show that this uh this thing is clicking right now and uh a win over michigan state i think right mm-hmm. now was the biggest exclamation point of the season uh we learned an awful lot about this ohio state team and their national championship and certainly their big 10 aspirations uh here this uh this past weekend and we got a whole bunch to preview here as we get ready for the biggest game, not of just this season, but of for two years, because uh didn't have a chance to play them a year ago. So the rivalry game coming up this weekend. We will be in Ann Arbor. We got a bunch of coverage planned for you throughout the course of the week.
0: Let's hope for no COVID outbreaks in Ann Arbor. I mean, they got yeah. <laughs> film on today. Don't you sing it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, please follow us on social media. We would certainly appreciate the support at BuckeyesNowSI or Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook handles. And uh, we like to do this very regularly on YouTube. Would certainly appreciate if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and support us there as well. For Tommy Zagorski, I'm Brendan Gulick. See you over on BuckeyesNow.com real soon. The Buckeyes are rolling as they pounded Michigan State this past weekend, 56-7. to And now it's time to talk about the rivalry week. Have a good day, everybody.